Father, for this time. Thank you, Lord. Your goodness, your mercy endures forever. Lord, where can we go, Father? You and you alone have the words of life. Speak to us this morning, O Lord. Speak to us. Thank you. An awesome God. Thank you, Father, for encouraging and exhorting us even this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, as a part of the generation, O Lord, we just, we want to be found faithful till you come. We want to be disciples. We want to truly, truly worship you. Enable us to be found faithful in that post that you have appointed us to be in all the days of our life. Enable us to walk with you. Thank you. We praise you, Father. We worship you. Come at this time into your hands. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. We need you just not to speak, O Lord, but you give us understanding that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we will know you, know you truly. Ears to hear and hearts to obey. In Jesus' name, Amen. Pastor was talking about discipleship the last Sunday and uh, Wednesdays and also during uh, the last few weeks and you see that God is leading us to something and we need to be need to ask God for attentive ears in these last days title to this message is uh, scribes disciples householders Excuse me? Oh, yeah, yeah, Sunday school is released. Uh, the, yeah, they've already gone downstairs, some of them. Please. Sunday school is released, and the rest of you can please come f- to the front, please, if you can. Uh, those who are behind, you know, occupy the seats in the front. Come, 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 it's okay, come. Jesus said, occupy till I come. So, occupy your seats. Scribes, disciples, householders. Scribes, disciples, householders. I mean, um, listening to I was listening to a message and I was also going through some material by Warren Wiersbe, and this is what this one verse just came out, and I've never seen this before. I read this verse several times. I put up this verse several times here, even in, in, in the church. So many times we've gone, seen this verse, but the first time I saw something new, and I believe that it was in line with what God was teaching us through these days. So title is Scribes, Disciples, Householders. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. Look at that word in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. He said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed or discipled Concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, from his, out of his treasure, both things old and new. Interesting word. Uh, Another translation to get a rendering over here. Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, is like a head of a household or a householder who brings out of his treasure Things new and things old. And you see those three things over here. A scribe, a disciple, and a householder. Three things. 
In the, in the church of God, I find a lot of scribes. Lots and lots and lots and lots of scribes. Even here in this church, many scribes. Very few of those scribes become disciples, by the way. And of those few disciples, and a few become householders. I, I like the term householder, you know, uh, uh, it's, 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 if you just have to divide it into two parts, householder, the one who holds the house together, simple. You see that? So, so many people are scribes, for sure. So many, not many of those scribes become disciples. And of those disciples, only a few become holders of houses. And in these last days, I believe that people, I mean, in these last days, especially in families and in, in any, every institution, we need people who hold things together because things are just falling apart. So I want to just look at each of these and I want to see where we are. Just examine our own selves as to where, the, where we are. Is it important for us to be a scribe? Absolutely. Jesus says, therefore, every scribe who is instructed in the kingdom of heaven. So... He's encouraging each one of to be scribes. It's not that he's discouraging us to be a scribe. But he's saying that it just don't remain a scribe. Something should happen to you. Become a disciple. And don't remain a disciple. You should be like a householder <laughs> who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So I want to look at these three aspects. And I just want to check my own heart and your own heart even as we progress. Are we scribes? Are we good scribes? What should a, what should a good scribe be? Who is a good scribe? Are we disciples? Are we serious disciples who can become householders? That's the flow of thought. So we'll start looking at scribes first. The word scribe is very interesting. In the Greek word scribe means grammatius, from which we get the word grammar. Grammatically correct people. It's very interesting. And if you look at the Bible, you have both the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the original text. And the New Testament is written in Greek. And the reason why I believe God in his sovereignty chose Greek is because Greek is such a strict language in terms of its syntax. Very strict. Okay. So the reason why we have so many renderings of the Bible is because the, that, that syntax in Greek actually encapsulates the whole renderings. Okay. So scribes are people who are very, very grammatically correct. Very, very grammatical. Well, they're orthodox in doctrine. Very, very orthodox. They dot the I's and they cross of the T's, if you will. Okay, they say, if Jesus does not fulfill every yacht and tittle, we will show. In other words, that's what it means. But the problem here is this. Not everybody who is orthodox in doctrine really believe. You know this verse, very famous verse in James chapter 2 verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe. But they are better than you. They tremble and you don't. But the problem here though is, even though the demons believe and even though they tremble, they don't obey. You see? Those... Our scribes, very orthodox, very, very orthodox, grammatically correct. So let's try to understand, you need to understand, 
One of the things, every doctrine, every teaching, orthodox in doctrine means like orthodox in teaching. Every teaching that you listen to has to do something to you. And if it is not doing something to you, there's some problem. And we'll try to analyze what is the problem with, with, with the, with the scribes. Look at it says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 28, and it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine and his teaching. They were astonished. They were absolutely stunned by his doctrine. Why? What was what was the scribes missing that Jesus had? And it says, the next verse, verse 29 will say, For he taught them as one having authority and, read that, not as the scribes. So what did the scribes not have that Jesus had? Well, they had orthodox in doctrine, but they had the orthodox in doctrine did not give them authority. You see, there's a difference here. Lot of people have doctrine, but they don't have authority. Lot of people don't have authority. Those are the scribes. Teaching without authority. Well, I don't want you to evaluate my preaching, but sometimes, I don't know, we are honest, I might sound boring, I don't know. Maybe sometimes interesting. But I've seen that in over a period of time, I've observed and gone through several, several teachers of the word of God. I can tell you something very honestly in my limited experience of learning from different people. Very few people have authority. They are excellent. But very, 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 very few people have authority. Why is it? What is, what is that differentiates the scribes from Jesus? And so what is that differentiates Jesus from the, what is this authority? How do you get this authority? Jesus gives us the answer and before we go that, you know, another, another, what is the, what, what, how do I know that I have authority in my life? A symbol of this authority and Mark's gospel will capture this. Mark's gospel chapter 1 verses 21 to 27. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. This word immediately occurs in gospel according to Mark several times. You will see immediately Jesus did this. Immediately, 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 immediately. It's like a, it's like, you know, a PowerPoint bullet. One, two, three, four, several bullets. It's just like a, like a pistol. It's just banging, bang, bang, bang. Okay. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath day, he entered the synagogue and was teaching and they were astonished at the teaching where he taught them as one who had authority and not as a scribes. So now he's going to tell us what is this authority all about. Why? Verse 23. And immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, say, rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. Be silent, come out of him. No, in the name of Jesus, nothing. Come out. Come out of him. And then, and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all so amazed. So they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? And read everything. A new teaching with authority. You see? And I found that in my own life. Whenever I heard teaching with authority, I experienced deliverance in my own life. Because you know, one of the most stubborn spirit 
that hangs on to every person, every Christian, is a spirit called lying spirit at different levels. Because we try to show what we are not most of the time. Blaise Pascal in his book, Ponce, I don't recommend you that you read it, but he made a very powerful statement. He said, people in the Catholic Church, they have one thing called as confession. In in confession, there is one man who, who stands in the confession box and the believer who goes to the church, he has this, this freedom that he can go to this man and express and confess the deepmost secrets of his heart. Every private sin, he can confess it to him. Every sin. Every private sin, you can confess it to him. Why? Because the guy who is on the other side is prone to secrecy that he will never, he will just, he doesn't even know who the, who the person is. You just come, confess, and that is it. You are forgiven. That's exactly what happened to Martin Luther. You know, Martin Luther was a crazy guy. He was a madman. He was a lawyer before he became a became a monk, and beca- and he was an exceptional lawyer. And when he was once he was coming from his from his uh, from his uh, school or college or some work, and he was coming on his horse, and there was this. He was studying law at that time. And his parents saved a lot of money, sent him to law school. They wanted to make him an excellent lawyer. So what happens? He's, he's on his he's on his horse, and he's coming back home, and suddenly he's caught in a thunderstorm. And in the thunderstorm, he's scared to death that something's going to happen to him. And he says, Lord, if you save me, I'll become a monk. <laughs> so, so somehow happens that he gets saved and he goes to the monastery. And when he goes to the monastery and he understands and he starts reading the Bible, he's over a period of time, he is asked to teach the Bible. And when he's teaching the Bible, because he's an excellent lawyer, he understands the Bible as a lawyer and he begins to judge himself and the convict, and his conscience keeps convicting him, convicting him and more and more and more and more and more. So once he goes to the, and what, what, what does he do? He's in the monastery, he goes to the Catholic priest every time and he makes a confession. So all the people in the monastery, they come and confess their sins every, every, every day before they sleep. So some people say, you know, sorry priest, I want to ask God to forgive me. That I coveted my neighbor's chicken piece. Okay. And Martin Luther's confession used to last for several hours. Hours and hours and every little detail and the guy on the other side, he said, Brother Luther, please do something worth confessing and then come back next time. And this used to happen most of the time and used to confess and confess and confess. And when the pronouncement was made, you are forgiven, he used to come out of the confession box, a man so free, and he would go back to his room and suddenly he would remember one sin that he did not confess. And all his happiness is gone. Now Blaise Pascal makes a very powerful statement. He says, you know what? In the Catholic Church, this provision is given that you can go and confess all your sins. But people hate even that. You know why? Because it exposes them and they don't like to be exposed. Read Blaise Pascal if you want to. I love it. Awesome. New teaching with authority. Why don't these people have authority? And Jesus tells them and he gives us an idea as to what's going on over here. In Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 to 7 he says, Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, Sit on 
Moses' feet. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Why? Because they are absolutely perfect in doctrine. So they will dot their I's and cross their T's and they will tell you, this is what you are supposed to do, brother. So observe everything that you say. That, that is the reason why it doesn't matter who's preaching from the pulpit. Listen. Even if it's an Eli, he can prophesy. Even if it's a Caiaphas, say Caiaphas, he can prophesy. Being the high priest, he can prophesy that year that Jesus would Jesus would be crucified. No, why? Why should you? Why should you not do the works for they preach but do not? That's a problem. Why? Why do they preach and do not practice? What do they like? You know what? They they tie up heavy burdens. Hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them there with their one finger. They do all their deeds. See, they don't want a secret life like Pastor was talking about. Hidden life. There's no hidden life for them. It's all about how how people are talk, talking about them and thinking about them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called by others. Rabbi, Rabbi. That's what they like. Great preacher, great expositor, fantastic. That's what they like. That's that's the reason why they don't have authority. They don't have authority. Need to understand scriptures when we have been taught the scripture. There's one thing that reason, the reason why scriptures, doctrine is important by the way. Doctrine is something which is very important. But what should doctrine lead to? Is a question. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 to 17 it says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine or teaching. For the problem is we don't like reproof. We don't like Correction. We don't like instruction in right. We don't like that. We like to hear good sermons. That's all we like. And we say, brother, fantastic sermon. And you can encourage me, a young man. Okay, I like that. Don't worry. Okay, so say, brother, fantastic sermon. If you really feel that. But why? Why is doctrine given so that I can have reproof in my life? I can have correction in my life. I can have instruction in righteousness in my life. Why? That a man of God may be perfect and thorough. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That is the reason why God doctrine is given. That is the reason why teaching is given. Just not to come and enjoy a good sermon and go home. No. And therefore, if it is a sermon which has authority, it will demand from you. A demand a change from each one of us. You just cannot sit under anointing, anointed teaching and just be, and just do nothing. So you see that in Acts chapter 3 or 2 verse 37. Now when they heard this, this is of course Peter on the day of Pentecost. When they heard this, they were cut to their heart and sent to Peter and the apostles, brother, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What will you receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. But what should you do? Repent. They were all cut to their heart and they were asked to do something. Do you hear? And when do you get, when you get cut to your heart, do you change? Do you ask, what shall I do? See, we use this word, especially in our church, we have a very popular jargon. If you come to GDC, whenever you hear a sermon, you say, oh, that was very convicting, brother. Pastor, it was very convicting. You should, I, I was just, uh, I was discussing with Pastor Eric the other day when he was here. We were discussing and we said, you know what? 
He said, Pastor, it's conviction. I said, Eric, you should be very careful when you use the word conviction. Very, very, very careful. Conviction comes from the use, from the word convict. Conviction. So if a guy who's, who's been tried for murder, and if he's convicted, what happens to him? He's put to death. That's, that's what happens. So if really conviction takes place, and if it's really a part of your heart, something will happen to you. You'll die. A lot of people, they think they have convictions. They only have what we call as pricking of the conscience. Suddenly the conscience is awakened on, on Sunday. And there's what, what they do is a knee-jerk reaction. But there is, there is no consistency. There's no, what we call as a consistent, concerted effort to change and make the word that they have heard a part of the beliefs. That it has still not become a conviction. It has only become an idea. You see? That's a problem with teaching. With authority and you don't listen. So what happens since Romans chapter 10 verse 17? So faith cometh by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I like this word. This is in the ESV translation. What does it mean? A word which has the anointing over it. The authority of Christ. Only with that you will have faith. So has your faith increased? Or only just a scribe? See what happens? Teaching always leads you to change. There is always something that happens. There is increase and increase in freedom. Like yesterday we were talking about uh, Romans chapter 8. You shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 6 verses 17 onwards. I love this verse. One of, one of my favorite words. But thanks be to God that when you were once what? Slaves of sin. You have become obedient from the heart to that what? Standard of teaching. To which you have been committed. And once you have been committed, after having committed yourself to that standard of teaching, what has happened to you? And having been set free from sin. That is a problem. You see, many times we hear the word of God, but we are not set free from sinning. We are not set free from sinning. We are not. Like pastor was talking to us the other day. And he was saying, why, why are you so tough on the children? And he said to all, you know, during the men's prayer, he said, I'm tough with children because they are so casual with sin. So very, how many of you are really ruthless with sin? Ruthless. Plucking out your eye. Cutting off your hand. I mean, these are, he doesn't say, just close your eyes and go, no, 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 no. Pluck out your eye. If your hand causes to sin, Chop off your hand. Who said this? I didn't say it. Jesus said. He was the one who spoke about hell. Do we really gorge out our eyes and chop off our hands? Are we ruthless with sin? Has teaching made us absolutely ruthless in terms of dealing with sin in our lives? If you're not, brother, you're still a scribe. Luke's Gospel chapter 13. Look at what it happens. There's an intricate relationship between teaching and deliverance. You will always see that. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. And she kept on coming to the sermons. And she was listening to doctrinally perfect sermons from the scribes. And no deliverance was happening. No deliverance. What 
happens. When Jesus saw her, he was teaching, right? When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, what are you? You are freed from your disability. Are you freed, brother? What is the spiritual infirmity that you're having today? Think about it. What is the spiritual infirmity that you're having today? What you're bound by it and you're not able to change. It's just bent you, bent you like this and you're not able to walk straight at all in your life. What is that spiritual infirmity that you're having? And so many people in the house of God can sit under anointed teaching and they don't have the faith and therefore what happens? They don't get delivered. You know what? If that is the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, the word that was preached to them, the gospel was preached to them also as well as to us, but the gospel that they heard did not profit them because it did not find faith in those who heard it. He did not find faith in those who heard it. Do you really have the categories of faith in your life so that when the teaching comes, you are being made free from all the established strongholds in your mind or are you still bound by the spirit of infirmity and most of the time it's in the mind. Captured in your mind. You are freed. Mark's Gospel chapter 20, 12, verses 28. See, not all scribes are bad. There was one scribe who was good. Look at this scribe. But you always have a problem with the scribe. And one of the scribes came to him. See that everybody? Okay, the same word. Grammatius. Came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And you know the answer, right? How many of you know the answer? Yes, you all know the answer. The scribe hears it. You see, the gospel according to Luke, and gospel according to Matthew, the guy who asked the question is a lawyer. Gospel according to Mark, the guy who asked the question is a scribe. It says in the gospel according to Luke, when Jesus answered, he answered this, he answered this, no? He answered and said, uh, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered always a question with a question. What is the question? How do you read your scripture? Uh, one man of God was talking about how this rabbinical humor. Or a rabbi had a disciple. He came to him and asked him this question. Rabbi, 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 why do you keep on asking a question with a question? And the rabbi said, why shouldn't I? You see, you didn't get it. You're still sleeping. Why shouldn't I? Rabbinical humor is very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, there was this rabbi who was sleeping and suddenly there was a thief in the house. And he was sleeping and he heard the sound of the burglar and he said, who, of the thief and he said, who, who goes there? He, and the answer came, burglar. What do you want? Money. And the rabbi said, let me just come and help you out, please. <laughs> you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You see? <laughs> no money in home, in other words, okay? You didn't get it. Those who have? Years to hear, let them hear. Let them hear. You see, that is the reason why most of the times the messages are in parables, so that you will, hearing, you will not hear. Seeing, you will not see. So that, why? Because your heart is hard. You don't want to change. Did you get that? You didn't get it, no problem. Which commandment? And the scribe said, you are right teacher. You have truly said, that he is one 
and there is no one besides him. And to love him with all of the heart and with all of the understanding, with all of the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And verse 34 will say, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom. What happened? Look at this. The scribe had all the doctrinal wisdom to take him close to the kingdom. And he's there right there at the edges of the kingdom of God. But you want to enter into the kingdom of God. That's a total different ball game altogether. Unless you are converted like a little child, you will not. What? Enter. Unless you will born again, you cannot even see. Neither can you enter. Think about it. The scribe had wisdom to come close to the threshold of the kingdom. What is the stumbling block there? Yes. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Look at this. And that from childhood. He's talking about Timothy. You have known the holy scriptures. You have known from. And the word childhood is infancy. What is that? And fathers. Fathers. F-A-T-H-E-R-S. Who have children. And fathers and husbands who will get, husbands who will have children. The onus of teaching the word of God is upon you, not on the mother. But it's okay. Here in this case, she married a Greek. So she said, that is a mother, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which is able to read that please. This is able to make you what? Wise unto salvation. And it doesn't stop there. Through faith. Ah, through faith in Jesus Christ. Papa, you understand all the doctrine and you came close to the kingdom and no, you don't have the faith. Stumbling block is Jesus. You are actually a dum-dum because you stumble at the stumbling stone. Stumbling. You see, the purpose of teaching is to make us wise unto salvation through faith. That is the reason why faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of what? Christ. Let's read this okay, together. Okay? Let's read this together. Everybody. The purpose of teaching is not to get a big head, but a burning heart. Who said that? WWW. That is Warren W. WSB. The purpose of all teaching is not a big head, but a burning heart. Did not our hearts burn when he was opening the scriptures to us? Do you have burning hearts after every meeting? I'm telling you honestly, every time I come here, I have a burning heart. I have a, either a frustrated heart or a burning heart. Honestly. And God is my witness. I can say that. Either have a frustrated heart or a burning heart. Do you have a burning heart? Your hearts are burned within you. It's not got a big head. And so many people, they're all scribes with big heads, no hearts. But there is one scribe. I love him. He's my favorite scribe. He understood 
what it is to be a scribe. Okay, what, the, what is the problem with the scribe though? There was one scribe who wanted to become a disciple. What is the title of the message? Scribes? Disciples? What is that? Scribes? Disciples? Householders? Keep that in mind. So there's one scribe. Now he heard all this and he looked at Jesus. There's something about him. And this is what happens. He comes to him. This is found in Gospel according to Mark. I will go to the scribe which I love. This is a scribe which I don't really love. Okay. So we'll go look at the negative first and we'll go to the positive next. Where do you think I find the scribe which I love? In the Old Testament or the New Testament? Ah, you're old, fantastic brother. Thank you. Thank you. You guessed it. Okay. So you are going ahead of me. The thought process is good. So we'll look at the scribe in the New Testament and we'll look at one scribe in the Old Testament who will put us, put us scribes in the New Testament to shame. So look at the scribe. Matthew chapter 8 verse 18. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart on the other side. He doesn't like crowds. He just wants to run away. Then who came? A certain scribe came and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now tell me, from your understanding and the knowledge of your Bible, what did the scribe say? And what did Jesus answer? Not the scribe say, what did Jesus answer? I will follow you wherever you go. Yes, sir. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has got no place to lay his head. Are you willing to come? Are you willing? Sorry, we talk, pastor was talking about two disciples and the questions that Jesus asked. Two disciples who heard John speak and followed Jesus and Jesus looks at them and they say, and ask them, what do you seek? And they say, Rabbi, where do you stay? He says, come and see. The kind of abode that I have. You know what happens after that? They stay the night with him. I don't know where. Scripture is not very clear. The next day, Andrew goes to Peter and says, Simon, we have found the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth. For this scribe, I don't know. Too many things I pay. I don't know. Too mu- too much of a price to pay. You know, no TA, no travel allowance. Okay, for central government and state government employees, dearness allowance. I don't know what the dearness allowance is. I still have to figure that out. Dearness allowance, and that depends upon. I mean, and HRA house rent allowance. That's what he said. No HRA, no house rent. Elements. No dearness elements. No travel elements. No LTC leave travel elements. Will you still come to me? First of all, I don't know if there is leave also. I don't know. Sometimes leaves also can become mission trips. Will you come and follow me? Price is too much to pay. I don't know. What happened to this price? scribe? I don't know. This scripture is silent. I don't know what happened to him. Obviously, he didn't become uh, a, a disciple. He didn't. Too much. Too much. But then I have. Why? What is the quintessential problem with a scribe? What is the problem? Begets no burning hearts. And look at this. A scribe in the Old Testament. Can you tell me the scribe in the Old Testament? Anybody? Ah, who said that? 
Ezra. Okay, let's look at let's look at Ezra the scribe. This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a what? Skilled scribe. Are doctrinal perfectness you have to learn from this man. Skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the law of God, which the law, which the Lord God of Israel had given him. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the law which was upon him. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month. See what happens, you see? Ezra, unlike the scribe, leaves everything because the law of God is in his heart. He leaves Babylon. How many of us leave Babylon? How many of us left, left really Babylon? Are we still a part of Babylon? And, and, and I just listen to some conversations even within this church. Sometimes. Still not breaking over the clutches of the world. You see? It says, those people who came from Babylon to build Jerusalem were those people whom the spirit of the Lord has stirred. Those are the people who came from Babylon to, to Jerusalem to build can the Spirit of the Lord stir you? Can they stir you today to build, ba- to leave Jerusalem, whatever that Babylon, uh, leave Babylon, whatever that Babylon is, whatever that Babylon could be. Babylon means confusion. Whatever that Babylon is in your life, has it caused you to leave it? No, I don't think so. I hear conversations sometimes from senior people in this church. I'm talking about seniority in terms of the number of years they've been here. Still clutches of Babylon. Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month. Which was in the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the king. On the first day of the first month. He began his journey from Babylon. Look at this. First day of the first month. He began his journey from Babylon. No travel elements. I don't know. Look at what it says. Possibly he he did have the travel elements. But look at this. On the first day of the first month. He began his journey from Babylon. On the first day of the fifth month. He came to Jerusalem. Five months he traveled. Or four months. Why? Why did he, how could he travel? Not because he had TA, because he had the good hand of the Lord was upon him. Why? So he has given us three statements about Ezra and what is the next word? Anticipate it please. Next word. Next word. For. Because. Because. For. Ezra, what? Prepared his heart. To seek the law of the Lord. To do first. What first? To do it first. And then to teach it to all Israel. That is the reason why he had this burning heart. He just didn't have big head. He had a burning heart. And that burning heart caused him to leave something. And to become a disciple. The problem is. We don't have this heart. He set his heart to do what? To seek the law. To do it and then to teach it. Statutes and ordinances and judgments. So you see several several scribes. Even today we have several scribes. Several, several scribes who have been very, very faithful scribes. No problem with scribes. I don't, I'm not looking down upon scribes. I love scribes and I learn from a lot of scribes. But not all scribes are disciples, you see. Are you stuck as a scribe? Do you have a big head? Or do you have a burning heart? Do you, forget it, forget about a big head. Do you have a burning heart? (laughs) You see, the problem is, Jesus says, if you have a willing mind first, if there be first a willing mind, 
the gift is acceptable, not according to what the one does not have, but what according to one has. Do you have a burning heart? That is the reason why he tells about the five scribes. Surely Isaiah has prophesied about you. You are those people who worship the Lord with their what? Lips, but their hearts is far away. Like pastor said the last time, the problem, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. That's a problem. Hearts are already divided. You're not stayed. There's no, there's no burning in your heart. You've been still caught up in something. I don't know what it is. You need to ask yourself today. Are you a scribe? No problem. Are you a scribe who can become a disciple? Next we look at the other one. Disciples. Disciples. Of course I can talk a lot. Pastor was talking about discipleship and the cost of discipleship the last Sunday. One thing I want to talk about today. Found in Luke's Gospel chapter 14, verses 25. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them. What did he say? If anyone comes to me and does not hate, it's not, does not leave, does not hate. It's a very powerful verse. When your father and your mother asks you to do something which is against the word of God, do you hate the counsel? Do you hate it? Oh, how can I disobey my father and mother? The pastor keeps telling most, most of the Problems, especially in India, is because in marriages in India is because they have not learned to leave and cleave. I don't know this. I, I can't biblically come to any conclusions. I don't know any Bible verse. I could be wrong. Show me, and I'll be, I'll correct myself. Sometimes I go to receptions. And then, during the introduction of the husband and the wife, the master of the ceremony is MC. He says, marriage is just not between two individuals, it is between two families also. Ah, uh, really? I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't see any scripture which says that. One of the things that many pastors have to do is have to have gloves on their hands. What we call as surgical gloves. Why should we have surgical gloves? Because we have to cut umbilical cords. With surgical gloves. It doesn't mean that you have to dishonor your father and mother. Scripture is very clear. You obey your parents where? In the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord, you obey. If it is outside the Lord, you can honorably disobey. You can honorably disobey. So if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, my goodness, brothers and sisters, yes, and his 
own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And at different, different places, the cross becomes different. When uh, Peter abrades Jesus and says, Lord, be it far from you. He says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you are not mindful of the things of God, but are mindful of the things of man. That was, he says, therefore, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Cross is different for different people. And he says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he gives us two reasons for these two propositions. So what do you expect the next word to be? Everybody say that. For. For. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. And that is the reason why many, many places there are so many constructions which are unfinished, especially in the lives of Christians. They have not finished the race. Finishing is not there. They have possibly begun properly, but they are not finishing properly for sure. Once when a man, when a man of God it was a very senior man of God and another man in another town. He said, I just want to come and meet you and talk to you. I mean, several miles apart, several kilometers away, he had to take a flight. In fact, in fact, it was from another country. So he said, why do you want to come and talk to me? This is an old senior man of God, very senior man of God. And that guy is possibly in his 40s, possibly, I don't know. This is a senior man of God, about 70s plus. And he said, I want to come and talk to you. And he, and once he came, he said, I'm, he said, why do you want to come? He said, I'll come and talk to you later. I, I don't want to give you the reasons. Can I come and talk to you? Can you spare some time with me, please? He says, come over. So he came and he gave accommodation to him in his house and he was very curious. Can you please tell me? I mean, why do you want to come and come all these miles and talk to me? And he said, you know what? I'm 40 years old. I've been in ministry for, for quite some time now, but I see so many people not finishing well, but I see that you're finishing well. I want to know the secret. I want to know the secret as to how you finish well. The problem is many Christians have not even begun well. How can you finish well? Where do you want to go? I want to go to Delhi. How are you traveling? Towards Kanyakumari. Where do you want to go? Delhi. Where are you going towards? Kanyakumari. Like that's what C.S. Lewis said. No, this is a very powerful statement he makes. You're going along a path. That's like an arithmetic problem. Several steps in the arithmetic problem. Okay. Step number one, correct. Step number two, correct. Step number three, correct. And third, fourth step, you made a mistake. Carried over to the next step. And the next step, and the next step, and the next step. After a while, when you solve in exams, remember? When you have to solve proofs. Theorems, how many of you, you come to a problem and then you say, LHS is not equal to RHS, something is wrong. Left hand side is not equal to right hand side, something is happening over here. What should you do? You should not say, from this time onwards I will not make any mistake and you go ahead. What will happen to you? LHS will never be equal to RHS. What should you do? Go back. Several steps. Make the correction there. And then start. 
So many people have been, haven't even started well. I mean, I, I don't even know if you, some of us are really, really born again. Really born again. You know, your starting point itself. So forget about finishing. How is your, how is your starting point? Where is your starting point? Are you really going heading in the right direction? Like the farmer said, no, Ravi Zak uses that example. He says, like the farmer, he was asking this guy who was going with a map and he was going somewhere and he said, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? I want to go to this place. How did you reach here? If you want to go there, you should not be here. That is the reason one of the most powerful questions to Hagar is, where are you? Coming from? Where are you going? And I'll tell you something, no? Prophets are not just people who predict the future. Prophets are people who evaluate the future. There's a difference. Okay? Let me, let me. Prophets are not people who predict the future. Prophets are people who evaluate the future. For example, I'll come and ask you, let's say, Peter, Peter, come here. How is your prayer life? How is your word life? How is your relationship with God? Who is Jesus Christ to you? These questions I ask him and he gives me the answer. Based upon the answers, I can tell him where he's going to be in his walk with the Lord. Hey, it came to pass. He must be a prophet. No, 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 brother. He was a mathematician. He looked at all the premises and suppositions and the things that you are doing right now and he predicted based upon the equations where you are going to, going to go in a few, few years time. That's exactly where you land. You will go there. There's nothing prophetic. You know what? See, see the kingdom of God is deterministic, not random. <laughs> he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's no uncertainty in the walk with the Lord. If you, who is God to you? If you are able to answer those questions, I can tell you exactly where you are going. How do you handle money? I know where exactly you are going with your money. How you handle your time? I know exactly where you are going with your walk with the Lord. With the, with the Lord. What do you think about attendance to church? I know exactly where you are going. Should I believe everything, every word in the word, word of God? Uh, I don't know. I know exactly where you are going. Exactly. Nothing random. I know exactly where you are going. So, that's the reason I'm saying so many people, they don't even have started well. How can they even think about finishing well? And some people have started well and along the path they have made grievous errors and they're just straying and straying and straying and straying, going away. What should you do? Go back to the path and make corrections again. You know, the picture is of, of that of a building. How are you building your lives? The second picture, I don't want to go into the, the disp- exposition of it, but look at the terminology. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able, able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still great wave off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. Two terminologies. Two terminologies. One is warfare terminology. One is building terminology. And Christian life is both. You are building your life and fighting the enemy and fighting sin every day of your life. I have an Old Testament picture for this. Anybody who knows the Old Testament picture of this? 
No brainer this, right? Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. So two things. You have to fight. You have to build both. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. But you beloved, what should you do? Everybody? Building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourselves up. Again, same chapter. Jude 1 verse 3. Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you. Exhorting to what? Contend. Fight. Fight. How do you treat the word of God? Are you meditating upon the word of God day in and day out? Has it become a part of your mind? Has it become a part of your psyche? Has it become like a sword in your hand? Are you... Are you really thinking about the scripture every day of your life? If you're not, brother, I'm telling you, you are being defeated and you don't even realize. You see? Both terminologies. The terminology of building and the terminology of fighting. This is exactly what happened during the days of Nehemiah. Chapter 4, verse 15 onwards of Nehemiah. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while half of the others held the spears and shields and bows. In other words, it's like it's a picture of the guy who's going and the pastor going into his study and studying the word of God and studying the word of God and studying the word of God and a set of people who are praying and praying and praying, a set of people who are both building. Why do we study the word of God? I want to build up people. And why do you pray? To contend so that the person, so the word of God will have perfect life, perfect effect in your lives. Both things. And in some places, if you don't have a prayer team, what should you do? Do both. Simple. And war armor and leaders were behind all the house of Judah. And those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that one on one hand, they had, they were working at construction, and with the other hand, they had a weapon. They were building, they were fighting. They were building, they were fighting. And I'll tell you something. A guy who's fighting and building, is he more able, or a guy who's only building and a guy who's only fighting? Who's more able? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. A guy who has got divided work, or a guy who has got a singular work? Excuse me? Not divided, singular, obviously, no. Multitasking, no. How can you do multitasking? You know it. You know why many churches, there's no really power because there's no prayer backing up the guy who's actually doing the study of the word of God. The guy who's doing the study of the word of God, he has to do, he's like a pujari. Birthday function. Take your sambhavana and go. Another birthday function. Take your sambhavana and go. You know what sambhavana is, gada? You know, if you're a pundit, you know what I'm talking about. He will come and do his mantra, mantra. He will take his sambhavana and if he doesn't, if you don't give him his sambhavana, he will curse you and he'll go. That's exactly what happens to many pastors. They will go from prayer meeting to house meeting and to this meeting. They are not studying the word of God. They are managing churches. You know why? Because they don't have sufficient people in their team to back them up with prayer. You get that? And what happens? Pastor, come to our meeting, take our sambhavana and go. Birthday meeting, Pastor, I have fixed your date. 
My birthday meeting, you have to come. Do you come to church regularly, brother? But pastor has to come to your birthday meeting. He has to pray over you. <laughs> so all our traditions as if one prayer from the man of God will change your life. It is not going to change you, brother. No way. No. No way. <laughs> no way. That is the reason why I told you the joke about Rabbi. Who comes there? Burglar. What do you want? Money. Let me come and help you out. You know why? He doesn't have money. Think about it, no? Think about it. How you treat those who teach the word of God I didn't say this. Zach Poonan said it. So I am free. Okay, I can quote him. It is on the public forum. So I can give you this reference also. He said this. If you are in a company and you are a software employee, software employee, either software or software, okay, whichever. And if you get 25,000 rupees per month. Scripture says, those who teach the word of God should be counted for double order. So how much should you pay them? Can I hear you please? Hello? I didn't say. Zach Poonan said. So I'm free. Not because I don't want your money. No. No, no, no. God knows my heart. See how you treat the people who preach the word of God actually tells me where you're going. (laughs) Where you're going. In your walk with the Lord. Are you only a scribe who wants a big head? <laughs> or are you going to be really become a, become a disciple in the kingdom of God? Yeah? Those who have ears to hear, young people, hear, let them hear. So, every one of the builders had a sword girded on his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside Boy, they build it. So this terminology, by the way, is there throughout scripture and it is there in the, in the, in the epistle of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That is the foundation. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house to become a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is building up? First Peter chapter 2 verse 11. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. You see that? Building up and fighting. And how do you do it? Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience. You look at that. Obedience. That is what faith is. For the obedience of the faith among all the nations. 
to preach the gospel for the obedience of the faith to all the nations. And so many people are scribes without obedience. And being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, meaning you are so ruthless with sin, you are angry with yourself, you are frustrated when you fail, and you say, Lord, I don't want to fail the next time. I want to gorge out my eyes. I want to pluck out my hands. See? That is the reason why wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? Word of God. That is the only offensive weapon that we've got. And so many of us trapped, trapped in our minds because you have actually not experienced deliverance in our lives. So Jesus has to say this to the disciples. See, the teaching is the one which causes you. Every time it's a word which separates. Do you know that? Everywhere. The scribe understood the word. He was wise, came near the kingdom of God, but he did not have sufficient to fail. Could you cross over into the kingdom of God? And Jesus also started increasing the heat of the word, the intensity, the requirement. You find it in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the, of the, you know, this son of man, who is this son of man? I think it's Daniel chapter 7, son of man, Daniel chapter 7. I saw a son of man, one like the son of man, coming in his glory and coming to the ancient of days. And the ancient of days handed over all the dominion and authority to the son of man. That is the son of man who became flesh. And he says, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then what happens? Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Not because they did not understand it. You see, The next verse will actually reveal their heart. Jesus said, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this what? Read that. Offend you. Another question that Jesus asked. Does does my teaching offend you? Offend you? Does it offend you? So many people get offended. Pastor is only talking about me. I know, I know, somebody might have told about, told this about to, this, this to, uh, this to the pastor and the entire service is about me only. The pastor says, me only. I don't know anything about anybody. I went, I searched, God put it in my heart, I'm giving. But does, does it offend you? Does the word of God offend you? That is the reason why he told John the Baptist, tell, John came and said, when he, it's a remarkable thing, when, it's Matthew chapter 11, he says, when John heard the, the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples. He was in prison. He sent his disciples. Should we wait for another one? Are you already the one? Go tell John, this, 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 this. 
blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. And I'm telling you brothers, blessed are you if you are not offended by the word, but you say, Lord, let me come here today. Let me come, Lord. I know my in my flesh, I hate your word. I hate it. In my flesh, I hate correction, but Lord, I want to sit there. I want to sit there. I want to judge myself because I know, Lord... You tell me because you are a father. You teach me because you are a father. I know you died for me. I know you laid down your life for me. It is when you laid down your life for me. That is when, when you went to the, went to, went to, went to, went to, uh, get Simone and when you started praying and you cried out, you said, Abba Father, Abba Father, you were trying, you were saying, Daddy, Daddy, this is like, it's like this, no? Abba means Daddy. Okay, Abba means Daddy. By the way, the entire New Testament is written in Greek. But there are two Aramaic words which are left as it is. You know what those two Aramaic words are? Rabbi and Abba. Rabbi and Abba. It's like this, no? Uh, I ask uh, Abigail, I need to give you an injection. And she comes to me and says, Daddy, please, Daddy. Please, Daddy. Please don't do this to me, Daddy. She doesn't say, oh, great father, have mercy upon me. She doesn't do that. No. That's exactly what was Jesus doing. He was, he knew that his hour had come. And no, not only everybody was going to forsake him because, because the entire sin of the whole world is going to be laid upon him. His father, he's going to forsake him. He's clinging to his father and he's saying, Abba, daddy, 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 please, daddy. Don't do this to me. But yet not my will. Yours be done. That is what he paid for us, my dear brothers and sisters. So when the word comes, he has got every right to offend us. He has got every right. I give him the right to offend us because of the kind of price that he paid for me. He has every right for my life. Does this offend you? It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Why? So many statements made. What is the next word? For. You are all becoming theologians and I love that. For. Jesus knew from the beginning. Who they would believe him. Who, who, who did, who did not believe him and those who would betray him. And he said, therefore I said to you that no one can come to me unless it had been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his, who? Disciples. Walked with him no more. I just want to circle this. This shudders me. Jesus knew from the beginning. When did he know? You might want to ask the question, when did he know? Before the foundation of the world began, but when he came in the flesh, how did he know? This is what I believe. Jesus knew, knew from the beginning who was going to believe him, who is going to betray him, and may I tell you this, even in this crowd, beginning with me, Jesus knows from the beginning who is going to believe him and who is going to betray him. Do you know that? He looks at each one of our eyes and says, am I looking into the eyes of a betrayer? You look at children. And you say, Chinna Papa Vidyam Chesthadu. I was telling the grace of children the other day. 
Rebecca had some problem in her womb after she conceived. Like pastor says, it was not gas. Right. So she went and said, Lord, what is going on? The children were not yet born. You know what Jesus and God says? To nations. Think about it, no? He looks at Tanishka. 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 Nation. Danush. Nation. I see a nation. I see a nation. I see another nation over there. Chandana. I see another nation over here. Divya Deepika. Whoever it is. Interchange. Hepsiba. I see a nation. I see a nation. And you will say, Uncle, I am not yet married. It's like, how can I have a child like Mary? He sees all our end. I see a nation, I see a nation, I see a nation. I see what you are already going to become. I know it. It's a shuddering thought when I think about this. It's like Hazael. Remember Hazael? Hazael when Elisha, Elisha and Hazael are having a conversation. Elisha goes to Hazael. And Hazael is unwell. He was, he's the sprint, he's the king of Syria. And, uh, Elisha is looking at, uh, Hazael like that. He's, he's, he's unwell, okay? He's on the bed, so a prophet comes to pray for him. And he's, and he says, you're not gonna die, you'll be well. But he keeps looking at Hazael like that. What happens to you, Peter, if I continuously keep looking at you? You'll feel embarrassed, right? That's exactly what happened. So Hazael, he's looking at Hazael intently like that. And Hazael is looking. What is this prophet? Why are you looking at me? You know what Hazael, what Elisha says? I know what you will do. I know what you will do. You are going to kill my men. You are going to kill the pregnant women. You are going to rip up their wombs. And you are going to take the babies and turn them like this and shatter them to their heads. I know what you will do. Hazael says, I'm a dog. But I know. But I know. But I know who will believe. But I know who will pray. Who will betray. So in this crowd, who will believe? Who will betray? Will we ask the question, like Peter said, Lord, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? The disciples started asking, or like Judas, <laughs> Lord, is it I, Lord? How did he know it? I'll tell you how he knew it. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 12 onwards. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. And when, he would, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose, how much? Twelve. And you know the names. And he called them apostles. Look at what happens next. He names the apostles. We know the uh, Luke, Luke, Matthew, and Mark name the apostles. And then what happens? The next verse, verse seventeen. And he came down with them. Who were they? With them, the twelve disciples, and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And, uh, sorry, and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem. Two sets of people. Those people 
who will stand with Jesus. Those people who will stand with the crowd. Why? Because they came from all to hear him and to be healed of their diseases only. Only. So Jesus prayed that night. I don't know all the names. Several names. Hundreds of names. Crowds of disciples coming. And he's just reject. uh, Spirit of God is saying reject, 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 accept, reject, 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 reject. Acceptance rate is very low, by the way. It's very interesting, no? Strive to enter by the narrow gate. Why? Because many will want to come. Few will go. It's like a funnel. Entrance free. Few come out. It's like getting a, getting a, getting a seat into maybe, not IIT, those days. Now, nowadays, maybe easy, easier. IIT, or, or like an engineering college. Many people can come, very people get job. They say only 5% of the engineers are employable. Because they're not all engineers. They never studied engineering. They did something else when they went to college. Many engineers, few actual engineers. So many disciples reject, 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 accept, reject, 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 accept, reject, 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 next page please, reject, reject, reject. I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, the database is going through his mind. Oh, he's not going to follow. Ah, that fellow has got too many issues there. No, 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 no. He's, he loves money there. Please, reject. Oh, that guy, Judas. Oh, interesting name. He has got the potential to become an apostle. Choose him. But he can also possibly betray you. Okay? In. Reject, reject, reject. Reject, reject, reject. Reject, reject, accept. And look at, I mean, just think about it, no? Just think about us. Vijay, I don't know. What's going on? In God's mind. Put your name. Reject list or accept list? Oh, many are called brother. But only you? Few are chosen. Why? Because he knows. That is the reason why. It says in John's Gospel chapter 2, Jesus did many many signs and lot of disciples believed in him. But it says Jesus did not commit himself to any man because he knew what was in man. He did not want any commendation from any man. He knew it. He knew the hearts of men. And, you, and, and think about it, think about it, think, think, think. Uh, what, what will my position be? Guard your heart, my dear brothers and sisters, with all diligence. Reason here, he says, look at this, that's the reason why he's prophesying. He's not prophesying per se because he knows what the value system of each of these disciples is. Who will stand with him and who will stand in the crowd? He already saw that and he says, you know what? God already told me this was to happen. I know, I know where you're going. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 66. This is 666 of the Bible, by the way. 666. You want to load 666? I'll tell you what that 666 is. After this, many disciples turned back. That is 666. Very easy to forget. Very easy to remember. Antichrist. Those disciples. Who? Went away. They went out of us because they were not of us. I love scripture. How beautiful it is. John triple six. So 
So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? <laughs> Simon Peter said, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and, and, and I have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus makes a powerful statement. Verse 70. Did I not choose twelve and one of you is the devil and yet I chose him so that I can still give him the right or the liberty to choose me. At the last time, friend, what do you want? Dips, gives it, Satan enters, goes out. Judas didn't have to be the one. He chose to be the one. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man coming together. So it tells me something very important, my dear brothers and sisters. If you really, really want to finish the race, there's one principle I want all of us to think about is long obedience in a single direction. I read a book by that man. And I hope he's having long obedience in single direction. Otherwise it will be the irony of all ironies. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He loved, he loved, he loved the present world. He loved, he was looking at Apostle Paul. He's, come on, Paul, you're mad, man. You're a, you're a madman. What is this? Come on, can't we just ha- get some honor for ourselves? Can't we just make some money for ourselves? Can't we just get some earthly honor for ourselves? What is this? You're a, you're a crazy fellow. You're beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. Now let me tell you something. Only mad people can build the kingdom of God. Nobody else. That is the reason why it's called you are what in love? Madly in love. Because you'll do crazy things for him. In our church, I love God. I, I thank God. You know, when we learned about Demas, we learned about Demas when many of you were not there in church. And I can tell you, I look at all of you, not even a single one of you was in church when Demas was taught in our church. And if you want to look up that, look up that message, the message title is, the message in the postscript. Oh, you were there. Thank you. Message in the postscript. I can never forget. And the fact, and the, and the funny part is, I was absent for that day. It's not present. I was absent on that Wednesday. And I looked at the message online and I heard it. I was blown away. Blown completely. We were talked about, taught about Dimas. I mean, it's interesting. If of all the characters in 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 in, in uh, Pilgrim's Progress, one character which was maintained as it is from the Bible, Demas. So the pil- uh, what is it? hopeful and uh, Christian are walking, and Demas is there with a with a with his with his uh, uh, with his hand on the. I mean, he has a he has something in his hand. He's, a, he's a, just across a cave, and he's calling Christian and hopeful. Come, 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 come. Dig in some gold for yourself. Dig in some gold for yourself. Christian said, just turn your eyes away from him. He is Demas. And the other fellows, the hypocrites, follow them. They look at Demas. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Dig in some gold for yourself. Dig in some gold for yourself. And these three characters enter into the cave. Ah, gone. Dead. That's the reason why it's called shipwreck of your faith. 
many are called, few are chosen. And the final, so we have scribes, scribes with burning hearts. How many of us become disciples? Disciples with obedience become householders. He is the one who holds things together. He's the master of the house. It's called, it's rendered differently in different, uh, in, the, in the Bible. Sometimes the master of the house or the owner of the house, the good man of the house, the householder, the strong man of the house, some translation, some other renderings. The one who holds things together. Who is the first householder? Let's see. Matthew chapter 13 verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house, master of the house, that is a householder, came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? First time the word householder is used. And that householder is Jesus himself. And he's talking about the parable of the tares and the, and the wheat. Tares and the wheat. And like Warren B.S.B. says, and fortunately for the preacher, Jesus tells what the parable is all about. He doesn't have to interpret it. You see? Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. If I delay, you may know how you ought to behave in the what of God? Household of God. Timothy, if I'm delaying, know how to behave in the household of God. Why Timothy? Because I am the householder, but I'm not there. You are my deputy. So you be the householder, hold things together, watch what who's coming and preaching from the pulpit, watch how people are dressing, if they are holding things together or everything is falling apart. If they become stumbling blocks or are they encouragements? If I delay... You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is a church of the living God, a pillar and the buttress of truth or the ground of truth, the foundation of truth. What do we have to learn here? Let's move on. We'll try to see. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 49. This is the first time Jesus is talking to his mother. The first words of Jesus, we know it. Everybody knows it. What is the first words of Jesus? Everybody, tell me. I, I'm should, I should be about my father's business. It's KJV, okay? These days I have the liberty and I enjoy of... Yeah, I started to be looking at that. I was looking at another translation called the English Standard Version and I don't recommend that to you. Okay? Don't read. ESV. Look at this. This is a beautiful translation. I'm just going to juxtapose these two. I should be about my father's business. Let's see what it says in the ESV. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my? I should be about my father's business. And what is my father's business? Holding my house together. Holding whose house? My father's house together.
I'm not sure how many of you will get this. But I'm hoping you'll get it. I'm not sure, really. Because this is really, really, really requiring. It's just not giving a good message and going home and saying, brother, that was a wonderful message. It's requiring. We'll talk about this. We'll see some important characteristics of the householder. Many are called. Few are chosen and few will remain. So everybody say that, please. Can I hear your voice, please? Faithful. Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 on 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Who was what? Faithful to him who appointed him. So who holds the house together is the guy who is faithful to the one who appointed him. Who appointed you? In your company? You'll say your boss. I beg to disagree. It is not your boss. It is God. Who was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Now look at this. This is, this is the difference. He says, for Jesus, has been, I mean, this far we can just, we can leave for later, maybe we'll study it later on. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house. That's, you see that? The house builder, the one who actually holds the house together, he has more honor than the building. Because Moses is the part of the building. Then he says something very interesting. Three and five, five and six, Hebrews chapter three. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if we ah, 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 hold fast our confidence firm to the end. To be faithful till the end. Let me tell you. Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was faithful as a son. What is the difference? I'll tell you the difference. You join, let's say, Reliance as an employee. Okay? As an employee, you join. Okay, and you'll say... Resume, right? Career objective. Da, 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 whatever. Okay. I, I made my resume. No career objective. Okay. I just put this, 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 this. If you want to give me a job, give. Career objective. To do this, to do this, to do this. And then, credentials. Hopefully, the credentials and the career objective sometimes, uh, most of the times are not together. <laughs> and the guy who's looking at the resume says, hey, kya baat hai? His career objective and his resume and his credentials. They don't match. Fine. Okay. Reject. Fine. No problem. Let's, let me tell you. This guy, you go to the company, you get an interview, you go to the company and then have the interview. Yes, yes, sir. I'm looking to ensure that I be an asset to the company. Yeah, your credentials match what our requirements and I, we believe that you will be the asset to our company. But the problem here is this. You are a servant. 
servant has many issues. I will work only for 40 hours a week. The way you work and the way the owner of your companies, I mean if you forget the owner, the the hair of the company. If he's also a man who's working in the company, the way he works and the way you work. You work as a, an employee because if you're not doing so well, I mean if the company is not really taking care of you and you're not able to get the pay that you really deserve, okay, what do you do? I look for another company. But the owner's son has no choice. You get that? You get that? Why? How does he work? He works as if he owns. Ah, kya baat hai? Ownership. Servant works as if he is hired. You know, I've seen this many places. No, look at this. No, I'll, I'll tell you. The way this is giving examples. Pastor James looks at the church. And the way each of us look at the church is totally different. Okay. I mean, it's interesting, right? Six o'clock in the morning, you get the WhatsApp. Oh, you see, please ensure that, uh, think about the parking. I mean, he's thinking all the time about the church. Even the minutest details are there in his mind. He comes and says, oh, the frills are not here properly. Please, can you arrange that here? Why? Because he... The other people come and volunteer. So, no, if, even if they don't come, nobody will ask this question. Why? Because they are volunteers. They are not sons. They are not sons. As many as have believed in him, he gave them the right to be a house of God, the sons of God. Are you faithful? Do you own it? Think about the worship leader. Think, I'm just giving you a This is my ministry. I'm not talking about that you become a lord or a demon. You're constantly thinking because I am a son. This is my father's house. I need to my life depends upon it. The profit depends upon it. The profit depends upon how I work. The employee is looking at his watch to see when he's going home, when he has to go home. The guy who owns the company sits and sits and sits. He's in the company. 24 by 7. I see my boss who owns the robotics lab. He owns it. My boss. He puts me to shame sometimes. You should see his commitment. 24 by 7. On the job. On the job. He Owns the lab. He comes and says, Hey, that computer. Uh, why is the computer lying over there? Why are you not using it? What happened to this equipment over here? Why did you just... Guys, this is our lab. Your lab, sir. Not mine. Do you own? Are you a son? Question. And I asked the Grace Home children, how many of you like to be sons and not daughters? Everybody raised their hand. Oh, I would love to be a son. I wish I was a son. 
Because they get so many privileges. In the resurrection, there are no fame, female, no male. Everybody is like the sons of God. Are you a son? Are you a son? Really, are you a son? Do you own? Do you own the, 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 the job that God has entrusted into your hands? Like, this is mine, my father's house, my house. My father's business, my business. That is the difference. That is the reason why many are not sons. They are only disciples. Followers, as they say. I mean, because Jesus said, follow me. They don't become sons. John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my, what? Father's house a house of trade. And what happens? The disciples remember it was written, the zeal for the father's house will consume me. He's consumed by the passion for his house. And he says, this is my house. How dare you make it into a den of robbers? Don't you understand this is my father's house and I'm about my father's business. Are you about your father's business? Even in your own life? In your own life, do you understand that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That is this, your father's house, my father's house, and I have to preserve. It says, that's the reason why it says, if anybody defiles this body, God will destroy him. Are we faithful? As a servant? Or as a son? The question. Not many, I've seen, in the, I've seen, I'm honestly, I, I, I ask myself this question. I'm a, do I really own what has been entrusted into my hands? I work as if my life depends upon it. I'm thinking about it 24 by 7. Or rather have other avocations. That is the reason why you see so many few, few people, right? So you, you see, El, 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 there are so many prophets, but Elijah had only one Elisha. And he said, my father, what did he say, my? Father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And then the other king, strike the ground thrice. Uh, strike the ground with the, with the arrow. One, two, one, two, three. The man of God is livid with this fellow. And he said, why, you have, why have you done it only three times? Should I do more than three times? More than three times? I should do more sums. I should do more problems. I should do more exercises. This is your job, Baba. One, three times is not sufficient. One, two, three. He also said, my father, my father. Who was a true son? Who was a true son? Are we faithful? That is the reason why Romans chapter 8 verses 13 to 15 will say, For if we live according to the flesh, we will what? Die. But if we by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For because all those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Just like Jesus cried out, Abba. You can also call out, Abba. 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 My daddy. Many people are not sons. Look at the difference. This is found in Luke's gospel, chapter 16. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of the light. They're more shrewd. 
They'll put you to shame. I'm telling you honestly. Your your boss who who's sold out to your to his lab, my my boss who sold out to my lab puts me to shame when I'm in the kingdom. I'm not as fired up as he is about his lab, about my calling. He puts me to shame. And if he's doing it for an earthly crown, how much more I am supposed to receive an eternal crown? Am I? Am I a son? Look at this. Sons of the light. Are, I mean, sons of the kingdom, are, of, the, of, of the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends of yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. So that when it fails... They may receive you in eternal dwellings. We know this message. I'm not going to go to the details. It's a whole message in itself. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest, dishonest in little is also dishonest. And I keep asking myself every second these days, these days, I'm a faithful, I'm a faithful, I'm a faithful. I want to own it. I want to be a son. This is the indictment that the prophet Haggai had to all those people who came from Babylon to build Jerusalem and to build the house of God. They were all stirred up in the spirit. They all came. They all said we will build the house of the Lord. And then what happened? The temperature persecution started increasing. And it's coming. Coming to our our own nation, I am, I was thinking about it. I was, even as I was driving to, to church, I was thinking, Lord, it's there, it's there. It's like, it's like Nazi Germany. I mean, fascism is taking over our country. And we're just, we're just neglecting it and just turning a blind eye, wishful thinking as they say, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. It is coming, saints, it is coming. It's coming. So. Think about it. No, what happened during the cultural revolution in China? Like Pastor was talking about. No, think about all those people. What happened during the cultural revolution in China? They threw out all the Christians. They put them in jail. That is how the church actually got fired up because of the cultural revolution. I'm telling you, there is a cultural revolution happening in our country. I'm not prophesying. I'm just looking. I'm studying what is going on, and I'm coming to some deterministic conclusions. There's no random here. There is a cultural revolution that is happening in our country, and you will see it all over. Saffron all over. Do you see that? It never happened. And what will get hit very bad is the church. So what happened? These guys came from Babylon and they started building the church and after a while there was opposition. They said, ah, forget it now. And this, that is when Prophet Haggai comes. This is Haggai chapter 1 verses 1 to 13. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say to the, these people, Say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet. Is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? While the house is in ruins? Now now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now think about the next verses. Consider your ways even as I read it. Consider your ways. Look at what it says. You have sown much. Harvested little. How many of us have this experience in our lives? Sown much. Work much. Nothing is happening. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you do not have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but you are not warm. 
You earn your wages and you put it in a bag of holes by the time nobody knows how the money has gone. Gone. It's like you have holes in your wallet. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Why? I'll tell you why. He says, go to the hills, bring wood and build the house. Be a son. Own the house of God. Own your own self and own the church. That I may take pleasure in it. That I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it has come to little. And when you brought it home, it just went away. I mean, you got all your, just think about it, All your salary came home into your bank. By, within three days, four days, it's gone. The wind has taken it away. Nowadays, it's internet banking. I mean, it's, it's gone. This, 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 Paytm, gone. Nobody knows. You look for much. Behold, it is little. Is it your testimony, saints? Is it your testimony? And when you brought it home, it blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of thoughts. Why, 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 why? You ought to ask the question, why Lord, why Lord? Why Lord? I brought, I work hard. I put in so much. I put in so much. God tells you why. He tells you why. Because of my house, which is in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own life. So many people, my problem, my problem, my problem, my problem. You don't know, brother, how many problems I'm going to more. My problem, my problem, my problem, my marriage, my children, my marriage, my children. What about the church? Who cares? My, my, my problem. My, who cares? My problem. Pastor, can you pray for me? My problem, my problem, my problem. You forgot your purpose. Therefore, the heavens above have withheld their what? Dew. There's no anointing. There's no Holy Spirit. Nothing. There's no dew. There's no rain. And the earth has withheld its produce. Why? Because I have called a drought in your life. And let me tell you something. In many of our lives, God has called for a drought. God has called for a drought. On the hills, God, on the land, the hills, the grain, new wine, the oil, what the ground brings forth on man and beast and all your labors. Everything I touched it. I remember, I mean, we were discussing sometimes, why is there so many issues in finances? Very simple. This is the issue. Because God is not first in your life. Very simple. God is not first in your life. Period. I didn't say it. Haggai said it. If you have a problem with me, if you go to heaven, talk to him. And I believe him. Believe in the prophets and you will prosper. That's what the Bible says. And he's a prophet. He is not soothsaying. He is looking at your present condition and telling your end. Where you will go. Then Zerubbabel. Oh, they heard the prophet and said, Baba, boy, we need to do something. Zerubbabel. You know what the word Zerubbabel means? Stranger in Babylon. Son of Shealtiel and Joshua, the high priest. With all the remnant of people, what did they do? They obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. And the, I love that. They obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. And the 
words of Haggai the prophet. As the Lord had, Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you. The Lord says, who is with you? I am with you, declares the Lord. You know why? Because now your priorities have changed. Look at what happens to your to your own life. Because you set your heart on my house, everything you touch will be less. This is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what? I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You know why? Because you are going to make what? Disciples you are interested in building my house. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added up, will be, will be added to you. In the last few minutes, let's come back to this verse. He said to them, therefore every scribe who has been discipled concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure new and old. You know what it tells me? Householders will have what? Treasure. And God can trust into their hands treasure because they know they are what? F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L. Say that out. Faithful. Question today. Are you a scribe with a big head or a burning heart? Or are you a disciple following him who has counted the cost? Are you a scribe with a burning heart? Are you a disciple who has counted the cost? Are you a householder building his house? And some of you have no idea what I'm saying. But those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Shall we pray? Yes. Yes. Okay. Father, we thank you for this time. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, honor and praise for this time. Lord, thank you that you are a good God and your mercy endures forever. We worship you. We thank you, Father, for this word. I pray, Father, that it will bear fruit in our lives. Father, just not give us ears to hear, give us obedient hearts. Thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name.